Hello, and thank you for listening to the Lost to Light podcast. My name is Michelle Cowan, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Angie Hansen. Today, we are going to visit with Angie to get to know her a little bit better. Hi, how is everybody? Are you having a great great week, Angie? You know, um, it's okay. It's okay. It's um, I'm in my I'm in my heavy week right now, but um, it's good right now because my daughter's home from school visiting this week. Oh, well, we want to get get more into getting to know you and your family and your story and why this week is a special week for you. Yes. So. I think I'd like to start out with um, you telling us a little bit about your life. And I know you've had some major, major losses along the way, and you have survived a lot, a lot more than most people have in such a short period of time. So why don't you start by telling us about yourself and your family and a little bit about your journey of loss, just so we can get to know, our audience can get to know you. So, yes, again, I'm Angie. I'm the other part of this wonderful podcast with Michelle. But my journey started in June of 2006. Um, my son, Garrett, was had just turned one on June 21st, 2006. And six days after his first birthday on June 27th, 2006, Garrett died. He was... Um, he was at his daycare provider's house, and he was just taking his afternoon nap, and um, he just died suddenly in his sleep. And, um, you know, that started just the tailspin of grief that I never knew existed. And, um, you know, we initially, um, you know, the daycare provider, she did everything she possibly could to, um, you know, help Garrett. And... Uh, he was life flighted to the med center here in Omaha, Nebraska, and he. Uh, by the time we arrived there, uh, my husband Jack and I, um, Garrett did not survive. He was not. Um, he was not living anymore, and so, um, you know, we really didn't know at the time what had happened. You know, they they were just saying SIDS. Um, you know, the next morning, our pediatrician had called me first thing in the morning. He must have gotten a report or something from the med center. Um, and he's just like, Angie, he's just, he was, he was our one that really helped us figure out what had happened. Um, because he was just like, Angie he goes, I just don't think this is what, I just don't think he died from SIDS. Um, he's like, I know kids over the one year age can, but he's like, I just don't think that this is what it was. Cause he had actually just been in the pediatrician's office for his one year checkup. Um, probably like probably seven days prior, eight days prior to him dying. Wow. So, you know, he's like, if you give me approval, he's like, we're going to do a second autopsy because they really didn't see anything. And so, you know, we gave him our permission 100%. And we found out about a month after, about a month and a half after Garrett had died, that he had died from a heart condition that had gone undetected. And it's really just causes sudden death. Um, like it's like the ectopic origin of the right coronary artery. Um, so basically his right coronary coronary artery was kinked. Is that a genetic? It's not genetic. No, it's not hereditary. It's, um, it's very rare. Um, if 
they, if we had a, there are really no signs and symptoms. Um, most people that die from it are, they die, they die suddenly, um, from cardiac arrest and there's no bringing them back. And say if we would have had a, had known that he had that, um, there really wasn't even anything they could have done about it at the time. Um, the pediatrician called and talked to the top pedi- um, cardiologist at Children's Hospital here and he just said, yeah, there's nothing you can do with that. Um, he equated it to how kids on the basketball court or football field, they just die in the collapse. Right. And right. so it's similar to that. So, um, you know, and then we were like, well, what about Gracie? You know, because so our daughter at the time, Gracie, was uh, four years old. And so, you know, we, it was that putting her in a bubble type of thing. Like we, sure. you know, we were scared to death and, um, our pediatrician's like, well, it's not hereditary. It's not anything else, but I want to get her checked out. So we, he set up all the appointments and Gracie went in and got, you know, an echocardiogram, everything done. And she was completely fine. And they were amazing at children's hospital. They showed us exactly like what, where Garrett's like defect was at on his heart. And so it's just, it was absolutely, um, I mean, the, the people through the journey of Garrett's death, um, that we encountered were absolutely amazing. Um, but you know, it's, um, it just losing a child is just something that, um, I, you know, I, I can't explain to people unless you know, it's just, it's, it's definitely difficult. Well, I'm sitting here looking at this little card that you shared with me, um, to post an act of kindness, um, in Garrett Thomas's memory. Yeah. And folks, I want to tell you, he's the cutest little boy. <laughs> he, yes, he had big blue eyes. And, and a smile. <laughs> yes, yes. went ear to ear. Yeah, so tomorrow, um, you know, so I said, like, the, my week. This is my week. Um, June 21st was his birthday, so last week was his birthday. And then um, tomorrow, June 27th, which this will be airing afterwards, but is his angelversary is what we call it. Um, he will be gone for 17 years, so... Um, I can't believe it's been 17 years actually. Um, but yeah, 17 years without my little guy. And, um, so I always try to do things like, so with that card, I just, I try to do things to honor his memory. I mean, that's my biggest thing with my, my people that I've lost. Um, I, I always try to do something to honor them. So like with the card I gave you tomorrow, I'm actually going to, go get um, some gift cards to scooters and I'm going to attach that card to and I'm going to hand them out to people. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So that's what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. So that's just, if anyone's listening, you know, I mean, I just kind of started doing things like this because, you know, it takes time to get to where we can do that. So do it without tears, you know, going down our face. I remember after I lost my first husband, that first anniversary, I did something similar. I bought Target cards, and I walked around the store handing them out, but I was sobbing in between exactly. each one. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I can um, I can just talk. I mean, I just light up when I talk about them now, you know, because I just want people to know and, you know, realize that, um, you know, his memory is going to live on forever, and I just think we need to start, you know, really just talking about 
these people that we've lost just to help guide others that are along the same journey that they may not see the hope because it's there. It's there. It's okay to say their name. Yep, it really is. Yeah. We're the keeper of their memories. Yes, we are. So, you know, um, you know, after a year after Garrett had died, uh, we, my husband, Jack, had traveled quite a bit. And so he always traveled to the East Coast. But he, um, he came home from a business trip. This was probably September um, of 2007 then. And he had just was saying something was bothering his eye. And he's like, I don't know what is wrong with my eye. Something's bothering it. And so he, um, I'm like looking, I don't see anything, you know, it looked red and irritated. But so he went to the doctor about a week later, still bothering him. Went and Jack never had vision problems or anything like that. Um, so then we um, just back and forth to the ophthalmologist, you know, everything. And it was finally in October of 2007 that his ophthalmologist saw something in his eye. So they sent us to the University of Iowa because they have a huge ophthalmology department there. And actually, Nebraska at the time in 2007 didn't have the equipment anywhere to what they needed, like the ultrasound for your eyeball. And so we went there and we found out Jack had a large tumor in his eye and he had ocular melanoma. And so, um, so then that was just the journey of something I never thought I would be a part of again. Um, you know, this was just a year, a little after a year and a half after our son had died and, um, Jack was in the fight for his life. And so he, we, they were pushing us to get his eye removed, do all this stuff. And we're like, no, we have to go home and process because um, we live in Nebraska. And so we had to process and talk to his family and just get our bearings, you know. And another thing, we wanted to get back to Gracie, you know, because she was our world. And we're like, how are we going to battle all this, you know, again? And so we went back to Nebraska. We started setting up appointments there. And, um, you know, Jack had a PET scan and we found out that it spread um, the cancer had spread to his brain and his liver and his spleen. And so, um, Jack was terminal. He was stage four terminal cancer. Um, you know, we didn't know how long Jack would live and, you know, we just, we did not give up hope ever. And Jack fought so hard, you know, to live for himself, but also for his family, for Gracie and I. And, um, you know, but his battle was hard, and um, he had brain radiation. He had, um, you know, went through chemo, did all that stuff, did brain radiation a second time, and um, he lost his battle. He In December of 2008, he was told he had about six to nine months to live, and he lived two months. And so February 8, 2009, after 16 months, Jack, he lost his battle to the ugly beast is what we called it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I never thought I would have been a widow, you know, at, um, 36 years of age, but I was, and, you know, my, um, you know, you talked about it in the last podcast when we were talking about you, you know, just like you get to this point, um, you know, when I asked you about finding the light and just like this relief, you know, a little bit, um, you know, I kind of felt that way after Jack died. I've, I, cause it was just, it was like this relief that he didn't have to fight so hard anymore, you know, mm -hmm. that he didn't have to suffer anymore. And I was just, I was 
thankful that he was at peace, and I was thankful that he got to meet our son again. I was just thinking that myself, yes. like he was with your baby. Yes, yeah. And you know, um, Jack was on hospice for only two days, and um, I remember the night, um, he died very early in the morning on a Sunday morning, but that just hours before, I just kind of went to him and I just told Jack, I said, Jack, it's okay. It's okay. You can let go. Just Gracie and I'll be okay. You go be with Garrett and I'll take care of Gracie. And about an hour later, he died. And, you know, he had a Caring Bridge site um, that we updated people with, um, which is an amazing tool for people that are going through, you know, a, an illness or anything. Um, but I had written uh, later that night that he had died, just, you know, letting people know and just saying that, um, you know, basically um, my vision that I saw was Jack walking through the gates of heaven and there was Garrett and he just, hey, dad. And Garrett, he walked up to him, Jack picked him up and they just, you know, they just carried on. So that's just something that, I mean, it, it gave me the most peace I could have. So Angie, so your son, Garrett, your husband, Jack, and that is in a two and a half year time frame that you lost those two. But your journey of lost and in, in there, tell us about Seth and Brooke. Yeah. Well, Seth, my brother, he, um, my brother Seth had been battling a brain tumor for about five years. And he, um, his um, brain tumor, he had his, it was never warranted um, any type of chemo or radiation, but he had brain surgery to remove the turn, uh, the tumor. And then he was living life. He, I mean, rebounded amazingly from the first one. Then again, he had to have a second, you know, it came back. He had to have a second um, craniotomy to remove the uh, brain tumor. And then, so it was just a month, a little, about a month after uh, Jack had died that my brother Seth started having some issues again. And so on March 13th of 2009, my brother Seth had um, a, his third brain surgery to remove it. Well, at this time, um, they, when they went in, it had grown and it was spreading and it came back, you know, a higher stage. So they were like, well, after he heals, he's going to have to do chemo, radiation, et cetera. And he just never rebounded from that. And so then my brother Seth lost his life um, in his battle on April 7th, 2009. So almost exactly two months after Jack had died. And so I, um, you know, it's just, um, it was at that point in my life, um, I, I was in a very dark stage and I didn't really understand who I was even grieving for some of the times. Was I grieving for Seth? Was I grieving for Jack? Was I grieving for Garrett? You know, and I mean, I was never able to even move forward in any of my grief with any of them because it was just one right after the other. And so, um, you know, during that time period, I just, um, you know, we just survived. Gracie and I survived. And then in a shy three three years, yeah, shy three years, three major, yeah. How many children were in your family of origin? Um, I have um, an older sister, so four of us total, yeah. And so, yeah, so my sister is older, and then I have a uh, a younger brother, <clears throat> alive Nathan. So, yeah, we um, 
So, you know, and it's, it was hard because our family was going through all of it. You know, <clears throat> my, my parents are divorced, but you know, like my, my mom and dad, they were, they lost a son, they lost a grandson, they lost a son-in-law, you know, same thing. My sister, she lost a brother-in-law, a brother, you know, um, a nephew, you know, we're all going through all these things. So it's like, who do you turn to in your family? You know, you just, um, how did you cope with that? You know, I honestly can say, I don't know. I mean, um, my biggest goal at that point in my life was, um, waking up every day and taking care of Gracie. You know, if Gracie and I can get through each day and I had a great community of friends, um, that really rallied around us and helped us. I want I want to learn more about Gracie because I she's a pretty phenomenal <laughs> yeah. child. But can you tell while we're on your yeah. journey of, of loss about Brooke? Okay, yeah. So Brooke um Brooke is Jack's sister. So um Brooke uh, lived in Colorado and Brooke um she just so she wasn't around a lot when Garrett died, you know, she was back, but then she went back to Colorado and then when Jack was sick, she didn't come back a lot. I think she just wanted to hide from the feelings of what was happening, and she didn't want to be a part of it. So she came back, though, right before Jack died, um, and but she just she couldn't deal with it. And so then after Jack had died, um, you know, and then my brother, you know, she just – she our families were close, and um, she just kind of went into a deep depression – Um, you know, she started to drink quite a bit and, um, she lost her life to alcoholism, um, in 2018. So nine years after Jack had died, um, you know, his sister, Brooke, she died. Um, you know, she just, she just died from alcoholism and, you know, that was her coping mechanism, which, you know, I, it's what she knew, you know, and that's why, you know, we have choices in our life that we really have to be careful how we, how we proceed with them. Learning how to cope. Yes. And, you know, if you listen to our last podcast, I shared the story of how my husband was killed, which he was killed by a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. Now, in the course of um, my journey of healing, I was able to forgive the drunk driver. And part of that was because I, I'm i a nurse by profession. Mm-hmm. And I had to dig deep in my soul because it was a complicated grief. But the realization that alcoholism is a disease. Yes. And I found the grace inside myself to realize that it is a disease and to give those people that grace Mm -hmm. because of that. And I think your story of Brooke illustrates how everybody copes a little differently and some people make choices that, you know, it's the only way they know how to cope. Exactly. And and so we must exercise grace in those situations. Yes, yes. And that's, you know, honestly, that's kind of what I've been teaching, um, you know, Jack and Brooke's mom, you know, I've been trying to just teach her because she, I don't think she's, I can tell she's still angry with Brooke for the choices she made. And, you know, now, you know, they don't have any children, you know, and so they lost both their children. And so, um, you know, I just, I try to teach her about grace constantly. You know, we talk, I'm very close. Well, Jack's dad actually just passed away this year. Um, 
actually, and I don't know if you even know this. Do you know this? Um, that um, his dad had been battling an illness for 10 years, but he died the same day Jack died, 14 years apart. Oh, my. On February 8th, 2023, Jack's dad died. So, oh yeah. So I'm sure you have fostered quite a relationship with your mother-in-law. Yes, 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 I really have. And, you know, I'm, I mean, we live very close to each other, and um, she's, I'm just, you know, I'm there for her all the time. And But, yeah, it's just, she, you know, she's, she's alone now, and, you know, the loneliness, I know, the loneliness is absolutely horrendous when... It is. <laughs> when your spouse dies and then you have a child and you're just alone. And, and I think sometimes we were younger when we lost our spouses. Mm-hmm. So we had time to rebuild our lives, yes. to include new relationships. Mm-hmm. I think the older that a person is when they lose their spouse, it's harder. Yeah, you're exactly spot on. You know, I, I constantly talk to my mother, well, my mother-in-law, Suzanne, I say to her, you know, I said, okay, well, are you feeling lonely today? Are you, are you okay? And she's like, I'm not alone. I'm not lonely at all. So she had, Gary had 24 seven caregivers in their house for four and a half years. So she had people in and out of her house constantly. So for her, she's thinking about it that way to where, no, I'm not lonely. I, I like the quiet. I love it. She's like, I would do anything to have Gary back here, but, um, it's just, it's very interesting. You know, just the whole dynamic of, the loss that surrounds our family is, it's hard for a lot of people to understand, but that's what I'm trying to do is teach people that we can move forward. Angie, you're just segueing into my next uh, part of my interview with you. I want the listeners to have an understanding. I'm sitting next to this woman who's really courageous, if you ask me. That's one way that I can define Angie Hansen. She suffered major losses in a very, very short time frame and then had to go on and be a parent to a young daughter and to finish raising this daughter by herself in the midst of all these losses that they sustained. So I'd like for you to maybe help our listeners learn a little bit about Gracie and how you parented her through all those losses. Yes, well... Gracie, yeah, she's my light. Um, So Gracie was four when Garrett died, and then she was six. So her birthday was in between, her birthday's in March. So she was in between her daddy dying and her uncle dying. So um, she was six when Jack died and then turned seven. And so, you know, I really just, my focus was Gracie is going to have the life that every child deserves, no matter what, no matter how that looks like. And um, I will do everything I can. I'm going to get out of bed every morning and I am going to show her that we can smile, that we can laugh and we can remember. And I think that's one of the biggest things is we talked about our people. You know, I always say our people because we had so many, but you know, I just, we talk about our people and we talk about their losses and who they were, what they meant. So we would, we would sit there and we'd get those little catalogs when they'd send out for costumes for Halloween's. And we would say, I'd say, what do you think Garrett would be this year for Halloween? She's like, I think he'd be this, you know? So we, um, we just, we talked a lot about that. And so I think that was, I think I just kind of taught Gracie that, you know, we have to live, 
we have to live life. You also taught her it was okay to say their names. Yes, yes, and we we did. And, you know, Jack was, um, we lived in a small community in Nebraska, and so Jack was on the volunteer fire department. And so um, we had a family there as well, and Jack was a very integral part of that. And, you know, they were building a fire department, a brand-new fire department or station during Jack's death, and he was the main person in charge of all that. And... Um, they honored and dedicated the fire station to him with a ceremony in July after Jack had died. So, you know, we, we were able to just, we are still able to continue to honor Jack and his memory. So I just think that letting, letting kids know that it's okay, that it's okay to talk about them and it's okay if you're sad, you know, and then we went through an organization here in Omaha, um, actually after Garrett had died called Teddy Bear Hollow. And it's no longer called Teddy Bear Hollow. It's now called, it moved from Grief's Journey to now the Collective for Hope. And so we, it's an organization that is designed for um, kids to come to their group. They have group sessions and it's eight weeks and they kind of just learn about death and how to do things. They do it through art. They do it through um all different sorts of projects. So we did that after Garrett had died and they split the kids off into their age groups and then the adults go into their own groups. And so it was hard for me when Garrett died because Jack and I were thrown into this group of people that had lost spouses and there was nobody else in there that had lost a child. So we wow. could not relate, you know, we could not relate, you know, and we've talked about it. reminds me of yeah. my going to the support groups for spouses. And I was about 20 years younger than the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but for Gracie, it was good. You know, for Gracie, it was good. And then after uh, Jack had died, you know, that fall, I was like, you know, I think it'd be good for Gracie and I to revisit it. So we revisited Teddy Bear Hollow and um, she was a little older then. And it was, um, it was, again, it was good for her. She, it was just a good reminder of how to deal with our feelings and how do we cope when we're missing somebody? And then for me, then it was better because I met fellow widow and widowers, you know? So I was, and then there, if there was somebody in there that had lost a child, I could relate to them as well, you know, or if they had lost a sibling, cause that's, I mean, you're just, as an adult, you're just thrown in and you could have any loss, you know? So right. Um, for me, it was better. And then I joined a group called the AHA group, Adults Helping Adults, that is, you know, sponsored through Teddy Bear Hollow. And um, that's where I met some amazing people as well. And that group really, really helped me move forward in my journey. And we, you know, we are still friends today. A lot of us are. And, but Gracie then, you know, just moving forward through life, I am also remarried. And so my husband, Chance, um, he came into our life um, very easily because we knew him. Um, I was very good friends with his sister and brother-in-law. And actually, Jack and um, uh, Chance's brother-in-law at the time, now mine, um, they traveled and worked together. So we had known each other, and we had actually been pregnant at the same times during our journeys. so, um, and actually Chance was my, my brother, Seth's boss. Wow. <laughs> so, you Small know, world. I know. So it was just some weird connections, but anyways, Chance and I started dating and then, um, you know, Gracie and him just really hit it off. And he, um, when we got married, he, um, he became the father figure that Gracie needed, you know, and he, how told old him. was she? 
Um, well, she would have been eight, nine then. Yeah. <laughs> All my dates now, I can't remember. But so she, you know, so she did grow up with a father figure, you know, for a few years, she did not, but she did grow up. But it was, it was still hard for Chance to raise another man's child, you know, and we've talked about that, but it wasn't hard in the aspect that he just felt some guilt, maybe a little bit. And then for him being there and Jack not being able to be there to raise it, you know, and just Chance never had any um, kids of his own and he hadn't been married previously. So being thrown into that, especially our situation was a little bit, you know, difficult. I'm sure it was. He's a hero too. Yes, yes. You know, so Gracie just through life, she, um, she just really rebounded, you know, and did great. And she um, went away to college and she's currently just finished her junior year of college and, and that, that takes me into my next question. <laughs> you know, sometimes parents have a really hard time letting their children move away, especially after a loss. Mm-hmm. Now, given the dynamics of your journey of losses, mm-hmm. I know that Gracie moved away to another state. You want to tell us about that and how she ended up in that state and what that was like for you? Yeah. Because she was... She wasn't born an only child, but she was the only child that you had to raise in Correct. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I um, When she first mentioned that she wanted to go down to school in Alabama, I was like, oh boy, okay. And then so I think I kind of just, I really, it just kind of took me back a little bit. And I was like, okay, well, let's go. I'm like, there's no way she's going to be moving away. You know, I just didn't feel it in my bones. And then um, we went down there to visit the campus and she fell in love with it. And I, um, she decided she wanted to go there. And I told her, you know what? I said, I think you should go there because she's like, mom, I just feel like I really want to spread my wings and just go there. And I said, I think you need to do that because I think that's how, you know, they grow and they learn more about themselves and, and I don't think it had anything to do with, somebody had said this to me once, they're like, do you think she just wanted to get away because people knew her in this area and, you know, the situation and she thought, and I'm like, I don't think so because it had, that kind of had been far removed, you know, like it wasn't, people wouldn't be saying anything, you know, cause she would, when she says parents now, she says, she's talking about Chance and I both, you know, um, but the funny story is not the funny, but you'll appreciate the story is my brother Seth that had died. He was a humongous Alabama fan. <laughs> so we have no idea why he got that. I mean, his license plates even said go Bama. And so I was like, I think uncle Seth is sending you like subliminal messages saying, Gracie, go to Alabama. <laughs> I think you're right. So, you know, I just, I always told her, I said, you know, you go try. And if you, if you can't, if you don't like it, you're, can come home whenever. You know, I, I want to share a little bit of a story. Um, if you listened in on our first podcast, you learned my story, which uh, I lost my husband from a drunk driver, and we had a daughter together, and she was 15 at the time. So um, she went to college at Creighton University in Omaha, but after she graduated, she wanted to move to Georgia because she had met a young man, and she wanted to live closer to him to see if he was the real deal. Uh And he did turn out to be the real deal. And they moved back to the Midwest. But when I had to let her move away for that first time, it about killed me. But the thing 
that I kept going back to was this. Now, we might have some listeners that don't believe in mediums, so yes. <laughs> just hang in there with me. Yeah. But after after Joe was killed, um, a group of widows, uh, one of the gals was having a, a medium reading by Kelly Miller. Yep. She's from Omaha. She has a store in Omaha called Awakenings. Anyway, so this widow, Deb, was having it at her home, and I was invited to be a part of it. I can't remember how many widows was there. Maybe there was eight of us. Anyhow, so we were sitting in her living room and Kelly was kind of going around just saying random stuff, you know, that Uh was coming through. And she came over to me and she said, your husband, I'm paraphrasing, but said, your husband says that you need to let your daughter grow up. And when it's time for her to move away, you got to basically let her go. It's how she's going to, you know, find her path. I can't remember the exact words. I think it's in my book, if I remember right, unless yeah. it was one of those 10,000 words that got cut <laughs> <Right>. out <laughs> in editing. But anyhow, um, so when, and at the time, I remember thinking that Kelly Miller didn't know what she was thinking about because my daughter was not going to move away from me. I just knew it. Yeah. She was in school at Creighton, and she was going to stay close to mom. Yeah. Little did I know <laughs> that young boy would come into her life right. that would make an impact. So when I had to let her go, I kept telling myself, it's okay. Yeah. Kelly said this was going to happen. <laughs> this is what's supposed to happen. Yeah. I have to trust the process. And Joe said, I have to let her grow up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I was just always, I, you know, I would kind of just journal and then I would just pray about it. And I'd be like, okay. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? And, you know, and I did the right thing, I feel like. But it was hard. At first it was hard. And, I mean, the lonely – then that loneliness feeling, you know, just – then it was just Chance and I again. And I was just um, – I was like, it's lonely and it's quiet again. And I just – I – that is one of the things that I still – I still feel deep in my bones is just the loneliness that encompassed me during my losses. And I just, you know, it's crazy to me, but I felt that when Gracie had left, you know, and now, now we're further along and I'm, I'm okay. And we're settled. And, you know, now she's home this week and she brought two friends with, and, you know, life's busy, life's busy and destructive and everything in the house, you know? So, (laughs) well, this brings me into my next question Angie has worked really hard to launch her own Etsy shop, and I want her to tell us about her Etsy shop, how she came to get the name of it. And I'm also wondering, as we're visiting right now, did that come to be after Gracie moved away? Yes. Yeah, so so that that probably filled in some yep. of that time that you had dedicated as a mom. Yes, yes. Because I feel that too. Yep. You know, there's times when I, after... I got to a point where I knew my daughter was okay. Then I, it's like I gave myself yep. permission to follow some of my own dreams. Hundred percent. Yeah, you're you're spot on with that. Yeah. So so tell us about the path you took to create this. Yeah. And and also tell us about the line of products that you sell. Yes. So I have an Etsy shop that I launched last year, June of 2022, and it's called Butterflies and Halos. And the name um, just comes from the significance of a butterfly. Um, Butterflies are my symbol from Garrett, uh, my son, and we actually did a live butterfly release on his one-year anniversary up at the cemetery. And um, but butterflies are just a symbolism of renewal and hope. And I just I really wanted to encompass that and everything that 
I was starting to do. And then the halos are for my angels, for all my people that I have lost. So Butterflies and Halos was launched June, and it's a stationary card business. So I... um. I kind of call them grief cards. I don't call them sympathy cards at all because I think, to be honest, sympathy cards stink. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) You know, we get them all. And I know, like, with no offense to Hallmark or anyone, but with good intention, with the deepest sympathy and um, thinking of you just doesn't cut it. You know, it doesn't cut it at all. Share with us an example of one of your cards. Well, so that was, for the beginning, my first card, I was just like, I don't even remember. I was sitting there one day, one night, and I was just telling my husband Chance, I was like, gosh, I don't know, these cards are, I was looking for a card. I'm like, they're just so stupid. And so I was like, why can't we just talk, like, say what we would say? Like, if I'm giving my girlfriend a card, so the first one that I came up with was, um, I don't know what to say, let's go eat one of those damn casseroles. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So, you know, and that was just kind of a play on, you know, we get so much food and casseroles and, you know, you don't know what to say. And a friend, you know, they're not there to fix your grief and they are just there to be there, to listen to you. And so then my second one that I kind of came up with right after that was another play on the casserole. It says, I didn't bring one of those casseroles. I brought my wine, the wine, my PJs and my listening heart. You know, so then that way, that was just kind of another take on something, but you are there to listen and just be there because as you know, um, you don't know what you need or what you want. Um, it changes from day to day. It does. It does. And so my cards are geared towards all people that, um, have lost somebody or something and actually they're grief related. So it cannot. it's not only death related. Right. And I like, um, how you, also create special cards for special holidays. Yes. That would be appropriate for somebody that had a loss. Yes, because you cannot find, I I mean, I've looked, I believe me, I've gone to Barnes and Noble, I've gone to Target, I've gone to Hallmark, I've gone everywhere. And for example, you know, one of my, um, I do specific for Mother's Day, I do specific for Father's Day, um, to the grieving fathers or to a grieving child that has lost a father, um, and or mother, and then the holiday cards uh, for the Christmas cards, I do. I gear towards um, loss of somebody. You know, they're not, they're just they're geared specifically towards that. You know, they're not just a thinking of you. Although I do have some thinking of you cards, um, just because I've noticed that people are looking for some of those sometimes, and so and that's okay. I can create some of those and sell them as well. But my my whole intention is just to show up for our friends in a positive way where we don't have to try to fix our friends and we can't fix them and just be there. Well, one of the products that Angie sells that I have purchased myself are these memory candles. Yes. And um, so I ordered a candle with Joe's name and his dates on it. And it's my special candle that I pull out when I want to light a candle to remember Joe his birthday, his uh, angel anniversary. Uh, just thinking of him. Yeah, thinking of saying an extra prayer, yeah. whatever. But I like those, and I think they would be awesome gifts to give to somebody because a card you can you have it, you read, you can put it down. 
but a candle you can pull out yes. many times over. Yes. And I have, um, yes, so I do. I offer candles as well. And I can actually put any of my card fronts on the candles. Um, you know, so I have a card that says it's okay to not be okay, you know. So you could put that on there if you wanted. Um, I can also do images of your loved one. Um, I did that recently for um, my in-law's neighbor. And so... And I put his dates on there, and it turned out really, really nice. I haven't even really shared that one yet, but I need to. And then I also created an ornament, um, like a feather from heaven ornament. And it doesn't have to only be an ornament. I have one. I made these actually when Garrett died for our family and friends. And I did make it around the holiday, but I have mine displayed in my office on an ornament hook um, all year round. So... It's I've just, seen pictures. They're yes, pretty. Yeah. So I do offer those. And then my goal is to branch out into um, more of a stationary line with journals and notebooks. And I'm working on things oh, like that. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, so I am working on more broadening my stationary line. Right. Journaling, you know, that was really important after my grief, mm-hmm. grief loss. Yep. And I know yep, you had mentioned that too. So that is a wonderful yeah, idea. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where I'm going with that. I'm working on that because, yeah, journaling was my saving grace as well. Just it was what got me through, just journaling all my thoughts. And, you know, looking back when you journal, if you can look back six months later on what you wrote, you will see that you've actually moved forward in your grief journey. It's interesting that you bring that up because when I journaled my journey of loss— and when I was putting my book together and I would go back and read those words that I'd written like a decade earlier, yeah. I thought, wow, those were some really raw emotions. Uh-huh. I and I could that. see the difference yeah. in where I was then and where I was today. And what's interesting, you know, I put all that in my book and I've told people I could have never recreated those kinds of emotions this far out because I've healed. Yeah. But even I was surprised at how raw they were. Yeah. yeah um, I before agree. I forget, yeah. can you share with our audience how they can find your Etsy shop? Yes. So if you go to Etsy, um, it's you just search um, "shop butterflies and halos" and you'll find my um, you'll find my link there. And then I have social sites that it's all at butterflies and halos. And, um, but we'll also put them in the show notes and stuff. Right, right. Uh, yes, that's, um, yes. I love how Angie also blogs on Fridays. I do, I do. I blog I, on my website, um, www.butterfliesandhalos.com. I'm working on um, building where I can sell my product on my website, but I'm technically challenged. So it's taken me a little bit longer <laughs> than I had hoped. I wanted to get it done by the end of June. That is not going to happen, but that's okay because you know what? Um, Give yourself grace. I, yep, I'm giving myself grace because, but that's, I do blog. You can go on there. So I have a landing page where I have my blog and um, I love to, I love to blog and write about just everything and I hope it helps You people. share some great thoughts and I've read, I, I can identify with a lot of the things that you write. Oh, thanks. And, but you put it in such easy language for anybody who hasn't even had a loss to truly understand yeah. and that's, where you your point of yeah content and that's kind of my from. goal is I want to help your friend I want to help your the people that not necessarily have gone through these losses right how can you show up and help your friend that has gone through the exactly. loss so that's yeah you're exactly right that's what I'm trying to encompass in this whole process 
Well, you know, our, our podcast, we lovingly la- named it Loss to Light. So Angie, can you reflect upon your journey of Loss to Light and tell us what was helpful and what wasn't? Well, for me, the biggest thing is I, I, I'm proud of myself. Um, you should be. For how far I've come um, losing everybody. And, you know, I honestly, I've said this many, many of times, um, but I just, I lean on my faith because I'm not here without the Lord. I mean, I honestly am not. I mean, I am not, you know, we don't go to church all the time or do that, but I mean, I have a huge faith and I have a huge belief that we are carried through this journey. Um, and I'm, cause I'm not doing it all by myself. And, um, I just feel like for me, you know, going through everything I have gone through, um, I just have this bursting feeling inside of me that I just want to help others see the light. You radiate light. Well, that's what I hope. I'm. That's. It must be coming out. <laughs> it, it is coming out. Um, but I'm you sitting know, next yeah. to you, and I need some sunglasses. But um, I just, you know, what was helpful for me the most was actually journaling. Um, that really just getting, just like kind of like you said, getting your feelings out there um, on paper. And I could, I could just, I don't know, I could just move through the journey. And it was just also basically just leaning on my community of people. That's awesome. Do you have any advice to share with our listeners that might help them going through the loss of a, a spouse, a child, or a sibling? Well, I, I always just say, give yourself grace, you know, and grace upon grace, because, um, you know, the, the road, no matter who the loss is for is hard, it's challenging, it's dark and it's lonely. And, but there is light at the end of it. There really is. And it may not come one year, it may not come two years, but it will come and you just have to give yourself grace and you really have to find your community of people because like how I always end my blogs, we're always all better together. So you really have to find those people. That's right. Um, and I think one thing that I would like to um, ask you before we tie up this episode, yeah. um, who might like... Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about something that they could actually do to support somebody? Like, what would be the first thing that they could do to support somebody that has sustained a loss that comes to your mind that was like the most important support that you got from others? The first thing, I mean, just immediately is, I mean, just showing up and listening. And then being very... um, being being very direct with what you're going to do. So for example, if you're going to the grocery store, you know, think of your friend and say, I'm picking up groceries. I'm going to be dropping off some groceries on your front porch. Don't even ask them what they want. You know, just pick up some groceries and say, I'm dropping them on the front porch. They're there. So don't forget to get them, you know, and just, or even helping with the kids. Like, you know, I will, my friends would do that. Okay. I'm coming over to get Gracie. We're going to go to the zoo. Um, you take some time for yourself today, you know, so it's just, you have to be direct with grievers because we don't know what we want or what we're feeling. And, um, I just, 
showing up and being there, just listening, because, you know, your friend also might say the same thing over and over and over again, and you'll hear that same story. But I just really feel like, you know, um, you just have to be very direct with your people that are grieving and listen. Angie, it's been great to get to know you a little bit better today. I even learned a few things, and I've (laughs) known you through Facebook and through the Widow Group for a lot of years. Um, And as we are making this uh, episode habit, um, can you give us a favorite line out of a book or another quote that for you helps you in life? Yeah. I have one that I wrote down here um, that I just, I really, I love it. It's... um, it's a favorite line out of a book, and it was written by Jay Posh in her book, Dream New Dreams. And Jay Posh had lost her husband um, to cancer. So, um, and he wrote the, um, oh gosh, now I'm not going to remember the name of the book he wrote. Um, very popular book. Um, but the line is, life is a precious gift, and I don't intend to waste a day of it. Have I experienced tragedy? Yes, I have. But it would be another real tragedy if I didn't recover from the sadness I have felt and thus missed the many happy moments along the way. Was my dream crushed? Yes, it was. And that will happen again. But when it does, I will pick up those pieces and create something new. I will always dream new dreams. What a great way to end our second session because, listeners, this is Angie and I's dream to start this podcast. And I think we'd like to end with, we will see you in a few weeks. We'll have some exciting guests joining us for our next round of um, episodes. So stay tuned. And we hope you find the light in your journey. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, thank you, everybody. And just remember, we're always better together. Choose better, be better. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks. Have a great week. (laughs)